welcome to another episode of the Awesome in Seattle podcast. This is your host, Christian Awesome of the Awesome Awesome Group. And once again, I am joined by Mr. Dan Keller of New American Funding. This episode is episode two of a two-part series called Home Mortgages 101. If you missed the first one, that goes over the process before you actually get your offer accepted on a house. So basically everything leading up to make it an offer. Today's episode is all about from the time you get your offer accepted until the time you become a homeowner and beyond. So let's get into it with Dan Keller of New American Funding. So Dan, this is a big step. You finally got your offer accepted. You found a house. What's next? What the heck happens now that you've, you've done all the pre-stuff, now you're under contract, how does this work? Yeah, what I like to do in our office is the day that we get a contract over, that means you've got your offer accepted, um, I like to have a quick call with my clients. Mm-hmm. And I call it the rate lock strategy call. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we do a strategy call up for, we do a strategy meeting up front prior to your pre approval. We walk you through everything. We dial in your budget, we walk you through the pre approval process. We get you pre approved. Normally, we'll do a, a Zoom call or pre approval call. Once mm-hmm. you're pre approved, kind of go over how everything looks. Next steps there, get you out shopping. Okay, yep. got your offer accepted. You're under contract now. I need about five minutes of your time because I believe that it's the largest financial decision of your life and mortgage rates move often, they move daily. And so, to, and right now we're in a very, very turbulent market. We have been for the last year. And so I think it's really important. My job is to get you the interest rate and the fees that we helped you budget for, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes the market can move so fast and it might move out from under us. So mm-hmm. the day that we get that offer accepted, I want to connect with you because now I can lock your rate if we have to. Oftentimes we don't, we wait. So that's the next thing that's going to happen. And then from there, because you've already been fully under it and approved, I'm going to let you know that the appraisal is next. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to either lock your rate or float and be in touch to lock your interest rate based off mm-hmm. of the advice that I give you. Next up, within three to five days, the appraisal will happen and we'll have it back on our desk. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you get to focus on planning to move because yeah. most lenders, banks, and credit unions do it opposite. Now they're reaching out to you exactly. to get you an underwriting and ask you for more documents. And now you're getting emails from title and escrow and realtors. Mm-hmm. And it's super us. confusing yeah. if you wait to yeah. get underwritten until after you get your offer accepted, but that's how what 95% of yeah. banks do it. Lenders yes. do it. So try not to do that. It's going to be so much less stressful. Yeah. If you get pre underwritten upfront, yeah. focus on what matters and that's planning to move because now you've yeah. got probably what, two weeks, three weeks ish, uh, till you need to be And Hey guys, moving is a little bit more stressful than even getting a mortgage. Sometimes. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. That's why we do this upfront. So you yes. can plan for the tough stuff. All right. So after you get your offer accepted, there's something called earnest money that needs to be deposited. Now earnest money generally is one to 3% ish of the purchase price. It's money that you deposit within two to three days. This is all negotiable. You deposit it within two to three days of getting your offer accepted. Now, this is not in addition to your down payment. This is part of your down payment. You're just depositing it a little bit early. So it will sit at the escrow company and this is your good faith deposit saying, hey, if I back out for any reason not indicated on the contract or within the contract, then seller, you get to keep my earnest money. But there's a lot of ways that you can get your earnest money back if you have contingencies in place. This is something we'll go over when that time comes. But that's 
one of the first steps after you get your offer accepted and you start that conversation with Dan and his team to get your loan underway is earnest money. Now, the next thing that you talked about and I want to touch on is appraisal. Mm -hmm. So what does an appraisal cost? Does that come out of my pocket at the time of the appraisal? Like how does that whole process work? Yeah, great question. And so I think it's important to start off by, by letting you know, as a home buyer, the appraisal due to recent guideline changes and laws in the mortgage and real estate industry, you own the appraisal. So yes, you pay for that up front, but it's included in your closing costs. So what you should see is it's, you'll see it subtracted from your closing costs, mm -hmm. but you do pay for that up front. The, um, you so you can have, like use your credit card, yep. pay for it. It's what? 700 it's seven to, to 950 typically dish. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, you pay for that up front. We order it, we manage it. And then when it comes in, it's automatically emailed to you. So the link, the, the lender, the banks aren't holding it and holding you hostage sometimes like they yep. did in the past. Yep. So, yep. yep. Sure yeah. And that, that whole process now is much smoother than it used to be before the Dodd-Frank Act came into play after the 2008 bubble bursting and that whole thing. There was a lot of issues with that. So I'm glad that this is the way it is now much easier, uh, much better for the, for the consumer. Is there anything that you suggest that people hold off on buying when they're under contract and hopefully soon closing on their house? So they got their offer accepted. They're about to close on the house. Should, should they go out and start buying furniture? Should they get a new car? How, what, what's the, what's the advice there? Yes. Yeah, so I give two pieces of advice and this is just from 15, 16 years of, Oh crap. I wish I would have told my client yes. this up front. So what I tell all my clients up front, just two really simple things. Once you start the home buying process, just don't give your social security number out to anyone unless you ask me or until you close on your home loan. Okay. Yep. That's the big thing because mm -hmm. you're going to start planning to maybe buy or upgrade appliances or furniture or whatever. And then you're going to go to a store and it's Memorial day weekend and they have a Memorial day, day 10% off sale. If you open up a credit card yep. with us, that could ding your credit score. It could impact your debt to income ratio. So just refrain from doing that or worst case, just reach out to me first. Okay. Yes. And, and that could stop you from being able to purchase the house potentially. Yeah. Like you don't want to do this. Yeah. You don't want to. Yeah. It's a big deal. The second thing is, like I said a minute ago, just, just reach out to me, just reach out and ask, but I never want you like, for example, if you've got plenty of money in the bank and you've got great credit mm -hmm. and you want to start planning to have furniture delivered or appliances delivered on moving day, it's not a big deal most of the time, yeah. but if it's tight, it could be a big deal. So just run it by me. Yeah. Just ask. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you, Dan. In terms of like paperwork that they are going to need to provide to you after they get their offer accepted. So what does that look like? I know they've already gotten pre underwritten, but I'm sure there's some additional stuff that, that you need to see and yeah, in order I mean, to the, get their loan. The good going. news is we're 99.9% .9 paperless now. Yep. And so really you're going to have to print off and sign one form and that's your intent to proceed. Um, and that's it. And so really, as far as additional paperwork that you need to provide to us, it's very minimal. Uh, you know, we'll go back. Of course, we got to go back in for final underwriting after we have your appraisal and your rate lock, mm -hmm. right? And then the title because mm -hmm. underwriter is going to want to look at all of that stuff. And so like, for example, if your pay stubs are set to expire in regards to we need the most recent 30 days or your bank statements are set to expire, we may ask you for updated pay stubs or bank statements, but that's about it. That makes sense. Yep. Yeah. All right. So going back to the appraisal, let's say that you're buying a house at first easy round numbers. Let's say a million dollar house and you're under contract for it for a million dollars. Let's say that for some reason the appraisal comes in low, let's say 975. What are the options? 
Yeah, so the first thing that we do is we notify your agent. So if obviously you're a buyer, a borrower with us, and let's say you're working with Christian, um, we get that in right away. The, 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 the reason why the first thing we do is call you is because mm-hmm. you're getting that email just like we are. Yep. So the last thing I would ever want is for one of my clients to open up an email and be like, wait, I thought we bought this for a million. This is 975. Mm-hmm. And then they call you and you're like, wait, what's what? going on? Yeah. You know? So we'll know right away because our appraisal management company will say, hey, this one came in a little bit low. We're going to pick up the phone right away and we're going to call your, your real estate broker. Yep. Okay. Because you're going to get a copy of that. And really, there's a few things that you can do depending on the market. One, you can dispute the value with the appraiser. Um, I, Spent a lot of time prior to getting in the mortgage industry 15 years ago, coaching college and semi-pro baseball. And I can tell you, I have never, ever, 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 ever won an argument with an umpire. No. And it's kind of like arguing with an appraiser. You very rarely win, right? So yes, you can dispute it. Yes, sometimes they do make an error, Mm -hmm. um, but very, very rarely. Okay. A lot of the times we've got to go back and it's up to you and your agent to... Yeah. basically renegotiate. Yeah. So the options from the real estate side, from the contract side are you can either pay the difference out of pocket, which depending on if it's a competitive market or not, that might be what you want to do. You can renegotiate the price. So nope. Hey, seller, the price, I know we said we we're going to pay a million, but the appraisal came down or came in at 975. We need you to drop the price. Otherwise we're not buying it depending on the situation, the seller might be willing to do that. The third one is you can kind of back out. As long as you have your appraisal contingency in place, you can choose to not go ahead with the purchase. So those are the big three that you can do on top of what Dan was saying. Like maybe you could try to dispute it with the appraiser. If we see some like obvious issues, maybe it's a four bedroom house and they called it a two bedroom. That's that's kind of a big deal. That could yeah. definitely change the value. That's, we should note this too, though. Over the last four years, three years, my team and I have funded well over a thousand transactions, a lot. Yeah. And I can probably count on one hand in the Seattle area how many appraisals we had issues with. Very, very, very yep. rarely. And so you need to know that first off. The second thing that you need to know, the first thing that we do, we do a full audit of the appraisal. Anytime it comes in low, my processor and I, we're going to sit down. I'm going to shoot it over to you, the agent, and say, mm-hmm. hey, did, did this guy miss anything? Or did yeah, this let's look at this anything? together. Let's yeah. see what's going yeah. on. Yeah. We got your back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we are here as your team trying to help you out. Yeah. Okay, so let's now pretend that you're still under contract, but you're only about a week away from closing on the property. How does the whole down payment thing work? When is that due? Who do you give it to? How does it get there? Do you bring it in a wheelbarrow with pennies? Do you have a briefcase full of cash? Do you wire it? Do you give our Bitcoin away? Give, yeah, you know, exactly. Bitcoin over to us. Yeah. yeah. So about six or seven years ago, I learned this idea from another mortgage professional in Florida that I know, and he does a really great job. And he said, Dan, because I was having some issues, not issues, but sometimes we'd have a little bit of a bumpy landing into escrow. And he goes, you know, one of the things that I've always done is he goes about a week out, I do what's called a pre-funding review. Mm. And I was like, tell me about that. And he goes, well, I call up the borrower and we go over the closing disclosures and we go over their name, the correct spelling of their name, how they're vesting on their deed as a Mm -hmm. borrower, co-borrower. We go over their total monthly payment. We go over their interest rate. We go over their final cash to close. We go over their first payment due date and then we walk them through how to get their money to escrow. And I'm like, why in the heck have I not, I've you know, yeah. been doing this for the previous eight years. So I started doing that about six, seven years ago and it's helped out tremendously. So mm-hmm. about a week out, you're going to yep. get that phone call from me. Yep. But better than that, you're going to get an email from my loan processor, Dan Dietrich. Mm-hmm. 
And so you'll have it in your inbox and then we'll just go over it. Most of the time we spend three to four minutes to go over it. And there's clear instructions. And now new laws have changed in regards because there's been a lot of wa- uh, money laundering fraud. Mm-hmm. Okay. People phishing. They know that you're doing a, a real estate transaction. So they'll fake an email and they'll say, hey, why are your money here? Yep. We will never tell you or give you instructions on where and what to, we'll tell you what to wire, but you will get private, secure, emailed instructions from the title and escrow company mm-hmm. on how to get that money to them because they manage the money. Yeah. So that's really important. We Same with us that. as real estate agents. We're never going to give you any sort of wiring instructions. Correct. Never rely on either the lender yep. or the agent to give you those wiring instructions. Yep. That is 100% on the escrow company. Yep. They are the neutral third party. They are the ones in charge of that. Anytime I'm buying a property and I'm wiring funds, I call because I know the number of the escrow company. I don't look it up in an email that I got from them because that could be a fake number. I'll Google them. I will find the branch. I will find the right person on their website that I know is the closing person, the escrow closer. And I will call them directly and say, hey, can I just verify these uh, wiring instructions real quick? They get this call every day numerous times because this is what everyone should do. And you call them, you verify it, and you go, cool, I'm sending this over now. Very important. Very, very yeah. important step. Okay, so we got the the down payment funds figured out. About a week before, that's when you should start this process. Do all the funds have to come from one bank account? Can they come from numerous different funding sources? How does that whole yeah, thing work? Great question. So if you're getting gift funds, one of the ways that we like to structure gift funds because it's less paperwork, let's say your grandfather is giving you, you know, $20,000. We have your grandfather connect with escrow, like you just said, mm-hmm. and escrow will reach, will reach out to them and give them wiring instructions. So grandfather could actually wire the money to escrow mm-hmm. from his account. Directly. Yep. Directly. And then you could wire your money from your account. So it doesn't always have to come from the same account. Mm-hmm. Um, but t- typically you as a borrower, what we'll do on that pre-funding review call, we'll ask you, hey, it looks like you have $78,250 due at closing. Yeah. Is that coming from your BECU checking account, for example? Because you yes. have the bank statement. There you already, have their bank know. statement. Yeah. yeah. And then so they'll say, yeah, it's all there. Good. Okay. So it's all being wired from there. But it doesn't necessarily have to, but we'll plan that in advance if it's going to be coming from multiple accounts. Cool. All right. Closing costs. Everyone's probably heard of closing costs. Yep. They don't really know what that means, what they entail, and how much. So let's talk about closing costs for a second. We tell our clients to assume about 2% of the purchase price are going to go towards closing costs. So that's in addition to your down payment. We like to say that amount because we like to be conservative. I'd rather tell you too much than not enough. So plan for that in a market like this, where there are some deals to be had potentially, you might be able, might, not every situation, but you might be able to convince the seller to pay some of your closing costs, which would be awesome. But if not, then these are funds on top of your down payment that will be due at closing. So what is included in your closing costs? Yeah, that's a really good question. And on a podcast, it's hard because, you know, if it was a video or if we were sharing this in person, we could show you like a closing disclosure where there's a breakdown. Yeah, Yeah. we use Mortgage Coach software that gives you a really detailed breakdown. Which, if you have a strategy session with us, you will walk away with one of those breakdowns. There you go. It's super helpful. So again, if you want a strategy session, awesomenawesome.com slash schedule. You can schedule a strategy session with us, the Awesome and Awesome group. We'll bring in Dan. He'll be on the call. It'll be awesome. And that's important because you're going to have those numbers up front before you even apply. So, and we're very transparent with those. We want Mm -hmm. you to know those numbers. So 
Closing costs in general are broken down. Now, like, let's use Christian's example. Million-dollar purchase, yep. 2%. Let's do the math. That's 20K. You're like, oh, yeah. my God, that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Please know that that's not just lender money. In fact, very a very small amount of that $20,000 is or are lender fees, okay? Yep. So the lender fees really, let's say there's about 10 different line items for closing costs. Three of them have to do with the lender. The rest are third-party, they call them. So... You're gonna have loan fees, which mm-hmm. is basically underwriting and processing. I've seen anywhere in our industry between nine hundred and eighteen hundred dollars in loan fees. We're right down, we're right smack in the middle. We're about fourteen hundred. That's your processing and underwriting fee, okay? Mm-hmm. And then you've got discount points, mm-hmm. uh, which is basically if you're trying to pay to have a lower interest rate, mm-hmm. you can pay extra money to try and do that. Yeah. It's yeah sometimes worth it. It's sometimes not. That's where we in the strategy session. And as you get your late rate lock, yep. uh, conversation with strategy. Dan, yep. yeah, that's where you we'll, come up with it. We'll that makes over, sense. Yeah. We'll go over Does that make sense or not? And then some lenders do charge like banks and credit unions will charge a loan origination fee. We hmm. do not. I, 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 I would encourage you if a lender is charging a loan origination fee, it's a, uh, it's a, I don't know, a foo-foo cost. I don't think it's necessary, right? <laughs> foo-foo cost. Yeah, I don't think you it's need official, to be paying that. official name. Yeah, You'll see that you call on that? Junk fee? Junk yeah, fees, I think it's yeah. junk fee. So loan fees, processing and underwriting, discount points, and then your appraisal will show under there. And then you might have credit report, which mm-hmm. is like 45 or $50. Everything else are third-party costs, title and escrow and recording fees and county fees and flood certificate. Yeah, yeah. a lot of that is you prepaying for property taxes and your property insurance. So this is your money that you are prepaying upfront. It can be anywhere from a few months worth to possibly 18 months worth of prepaid property taxes or or homeowners insurance. So that's a big chunk of that. That is your money. Yes, you are prepaying it. Yes, it's part of your closing costs as when you close on the home, but if you go to sell, anything that's left over in that account will still be yours which is huge. That's super, super kind to know yep. that they're going to give back your money. And you see it every single month on your mortgage statement. So as long as you make your mortgage payments every month, you don't dip into that fund. That's your money and it comes back to you. So let's say that I, my transaction is closing on the 15th. When should I expect to sign my loan documents? Great question. So in our office, we want you signing those at least three days before your closing date. Now that's ideal. Best case scenario. We're doing a really quick closing, like a 10 day closing, Mm -hmm. um, or we're battling through an appraisal issue or something, Mm -hmm. or the seller has caused a delay or whatever it might be. But ideally in a perfect world, we try to get you to escrow at least three days before closing. That's why we send the pre-funding review a week before closing. So there's plenty of notice there. And, uh, and then plus that gives you plenty of time to wire your money and take a deep breath and, and plan. Yeah. That said, if it is a super fast closing or we're in crunch time, you could potentially sign the morning of the closing date, which when it's a super competitive market, that very very realistically might be what happens. Yeah. 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 Rush, 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 rush. rush. So logistics of actually signing that stuff, you could potentially have someone come to you either at a coffee shop, at your home, at your office, um, or you can go into the escrow company, but they will send either a notary to you or you go to them and you sign there. That's kind of the logistics. I know people like to know that and how that works. When do I actually get my keys? That's a question I'm going to take. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. So that is on the day of closing. Now, generally 
the property will close between, you know, four and 6 PM that day. So don't plan on getting the keys that morning. A huge tip that we can share. We share this in our home buying class every single month. Don't plan to move in that night. Just don't. The reason why is because one, there can potentially be delays. And if you have a moving truck sitting outside and you can't move in because there was a delay and you're not closing until the next day, that's not fun. You don't want that to happen. Number two, technically the seller has per the contract, how it's written, the seller has until 9 PM to stay in the home. So they don't have to totally be out of there. They could be cleaning up until 9 PM and then we get the keys. But generally it's between four and six at that point, us as your real estate agent will plan a time, schedule a time to meet you at the house. We'll give you the keys and we'll celebrate like however we do that. It's, it's usually pretty fun, but it's generally toward the end of the day. But again, do not plan to move in that night. That is a recipe for disaster and heartache and extra stress. Just don't give yourself a day or two or three or plan to move in that next weekend just to reduce your stress if you can. All right. So now that you've bought the house, you have the keys, you're moved in. How the heck do you actually pay your mortgage? Like there's a lot of common questions that we get now after it actually closes. So let's, let's kind of go over those. So that first one, how do you actually pay your first mortgage payment? Well, we suggest your first one is done through carrier pigeon. It's really <laughs> simple. We send you the pigeon as a closing gift. A little rubber band <laughs> on the foot. No, we're super techie. Like I said, we're, we're 99% paperless. So mm -hmm. we will send you a via, via direct mail. You will get a, um, uh, a welcome package and yep. it'll tell you about your first payment and it's due. Welcome to new American funding. But you can set up online bill pay and it's, it's awesome. You can do it all online. Mm -hmm. And then the really great thing about our setup is, you know, you have direct contact information to me if you need anything, when you set that up on your little online portal, mm -hmm. but you have all of your closing documents there, your tax documents for next year, your appraisal, everything is found within that portal. So mm, it's super, nice. super helpful. Yeah. yeah. Set up an online account and you're good to go. Or, okay. or you'll get a statement every single month where you can hand write a check mm -hmm. and send it in if you need to. Yeah. So in terms of what is included in your mortgage payment, let's go over that. Cause I know I get that question a lot mm -hmm. as well. So what is included in your mortgage payment? Great question. So uh, the, the first part is your principal and interest. Mm -hmm. Okay. So principal, let's explain what that is. Yeah. So based off of the loan amount. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's say you bought a million dollar home, for example, just making up a round number and you yep. put $200,000 down. So you owe $800,000. Yep. And then with that comes an interest rate. So let's say you bought right now and the interest rate 6% and it's a 30 year fix. So 6% mm -hmm. against 800,000, they're going to give you a principal portion of that mm -hmm. and then an interest portion of that. Yes. So interest is based off of the 6% interest and the loan amount. So the principal part of that payment every single month pays down what you owe. Yep. Against your loan balance goes yeah, down. Yeah. Pays down your loan balance. The interest is price for financing a home. Yep. You don't want to pay interest and pay cash for the home. Yep. So principal and interest. Now, if you put down less than 20%, so the example that I just gave you a million dollar home, $200,000 down, you put down 20%. So there is no PMI private mortgage insurance. If you put down less than 20%, you have monthly PMI. Mm -hmm. So you would see that as a line item on your mortgage statement. And then we're gonna help you set up homeowner's insurance. Mm -hmm. And then based off of the county that you purchased the home in, there's gonna be property taxes. So all of that's included on your mortgage statement. Here's a big question I always get, Dan, I'm buying a condo. Where's my HOA dues? Let's say it's a $500 a month HOA fee. Yeah. 
that's not associated with your mortgage. So you'll get that from the homeowners association. Yep. They will separate. bill you directly. Yeah. Not through the mortgage. Yeah. So let's go PMI. Cause we get that question a lot too. I know we kind of touched on it, but what is PMI private mortgage insurance and why would you have that? Yeah. So real quickly, private mortgage insurance, just like it is the I in it is insurance, but it's mm-hmm. insurance to us, the lender, not you, the buyer. Not you. <laughs> it's we're charging you an insurance premium because you put down less than 20%. And when I say mm-hmm. we, it's Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, they make the rules, yep. we just enforce them. And so if you put down less than 20%, you're required to pay private mortgage insurance, okay? And so once you do pay down your principal balance to where you're in an equity position of greater than 20% or more equity, mm-hmm. you can apply to have the PMI removed. Yep. Okay, so typically it's about, if you did nothing, it's about a two year window of where you have to pay private mortgage insurance, but you could bonus. Mm-hmm. And two months down the road, say, hey, Dan, I just got a $50,000 bonus. I want to apply it toward principal reduction. Yes. And if you're under that, that if you have 80% loan to value or better, mm-hmm. then we'll help you petition to have your PMI removed and you can remove yep. it. So there's two different ways that your property value or your equity position can increase. That's the market just appreciating naturally, yep. or you adding a ton of value to your house. And we have a podcast all about how to find a deal. And on there, you can get, learn a lot of the tips and tricks. And if you need more info, just reach out. We can set up a strategy session. We can try and help you find that deal. But by adding value to your house, maybe you finish off the entire basement and you add another bathroom and a bedroom and a big rec room or media room or, or whatever, and you redid the kitchen and you whatever, you increase the value of the home. Now you could potentially have an appraiser come out, reappraise the house and apply to potentially get rid of your private mortgage insurance at that point. Absolutely. Yep. Or get a bonus and pay it down. So there's really three ways there. So yeah, a lot of it is just staying in communication with your mortgage professional, big banks, credit unions, you're an account number to them, right? They're Mm -hmm. not going to check in on you and say, Oh, Hey, it looks like you have equity. So it's kind of on you, but yeah, if you, uh, if you're adding value to your property, that's a really easy one. Hey, we did this. What do you think? And Mm -hmm. we can, yeah. And reach out to us as your agent and your lender to see if we can figure out if it's worth going down that route before you go down it and you spend any money or anything like that. All right. When is your first mortgage payment due? That's the huge question that we always get asked. Everyone assumes it's the first of the month for the upcoming month, just like rent. Well, you asked me a minute ago. So, Hey, we closed on the 15th. So let's say, you know, it's February and February 15th, you close on the day after Valentine's day. Okay. Mm -hmm your first mortgage payment would not be due March 1st. It's actually due April 1st. Yeah. yeah. So you're paying in arrears. Yeah. yeah plus, and you'll see that on your closing disclosure yeah. too, that you're paying from the 15th to the 1st of March. You're paying Part for that your... interest. That's that prepaid interest. Yep. And then your first month is actually tacked on. It's to, you don't really start your amortization at that point. So yeah, it's the best way to explain it is when you pay off a mortgage, you're mm-hmm. like, oh wait, I thought I owed this. First payment didn't start. You don't get yep. a free, a lot of lenders will be free. Hey, you get a month off, you get a free month. No, you don't. <laughs> You're still going to pay it. You're still going to pay it. Yeah. Okay. So along or in addition to that paying your first mortgage payment, uh, can you use like a credit card to pay your mortgage? Um, no, I, I don't think you can finance financing. <laughs> <laughs> But man, if you could, you could rack up some serious airline miles. Serious. I would not doubt that someone's going to try to crack that code one of these days, but no, you're going to, 
have to set up it, set up payment through your checking account. Okay. Yeah. One thing that has happened, and I know a lot of people have heard horror stories of this happening. I've had it happen to me a lot, but it's not really that big a deal. I close on the home. I get a letter two, three, four months later. Your loan has been sold. What does that mean? And how does that affect me? Yeah, that's frustrating. And, you know, I, I, I was at New American Funding for a big part of my career. And then I left and went to a couple of different mortgage companies um, chasing that greener grass and yep. found out that the grass isn't necessarily greener. One of the reasons why I'm at New American Funding is we are a 100% servicer. And mm. nothing's more frustrating as a mortgage professional getting a call from a client or a realtor going, hey, what happened with my mortgage? I thought it was, I thought, are you still my lender? And so-and-so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they sold, what they did is they sold the servicing and, yeah. and mortgage companies do that. But that's again, why I'm here because they don't do that. They service 100% of their mortgages, mm. which is for me, it's valuable. I think for the, the borrower, the home buyer, it's a very valuable too, because now mm -hmm. if it does sell, you've got to change how you, you know, how you pay your bills. You don't know if it's valid. You know, you don't know this company. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of the times these servicers are no names. Yeah. And then you go they to look are. them up and They're, they have a million bad reviews. Exactly. And the letter that you get looks so generic and yeah. bad that you're like, this yeah. can't be real. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. just be careful of that. But yeah. it, it happens. Yeah. When in doubt, reach out to your yep. lender. That's really the, yep. the rule of thumb. Yep. Let's pretend that, you know, I got a 30 year loan after a year and a half, uh, I want to refinance or I want to pay it off or I want to sell. Are there prepayment penalties for paying that off before that 30 year term? Really great question. Um, not with me and, and we don't do that. We want to, we want to see you pay off your mortgage or pay down that principal balance. Mm -hmm. uh, some lenders do charge prepayment penalties. That's a valid question to ask. Yeah. And then you're going to want to see that in writing too. So on your closing disclosure, mm -hmm. um, it should, it should show that. And then you can, it's just a, a good conversation to have with your lender. Yeah. There's a kind of a sub question to that too. What if you were to refinance or pay off your mortgage within the first six months of the mortgage? Mm -hmm. Uh, it's not advised because the mortgage that hasn't seasoned yet. These are 30 year fixed rate mortgages. These are home purchases, not hard money, like yeah. flip loans. And so that could cause an, an audit or an investigation, but there's no, no, there are no rules saying that, let's say you get a mortgage and two months, two months later is rate, rate, rates drop 2%. Yeah. And you want to refinance. You get that need better to rate. refinance yeah. because that could go away. And yep. so some lenders will say that you have to pay your mortgage for six months. That's just not the truth. Yeah. It's because they don't want to have to pay back bonuses and, and stuff that they got paid. We want to help you. And if it benefits yeah. you to refinance, then we help refinance you. And like I said, we're the servicer. So it makes sense. Mm -hmm. We want to keep your servicing. We want to retain yep. you as a client. So yep. yeah, no prepayment, no prepayment penalties. So we talk a lot about house hacking. We talk a lot about buying a property as your primary home. And then after a year, because in your loan term, in your loan documents, you're saying, hey, I'm going to live here for at least a year. Mm -hmm. After a year, then I'm going to buy my second house and do that over and over and over again. Am I in violation of something if before a year is up, I move out and I'm not living there anymore? Great question. So it all comes down to uh, kind of a gray area. It comes down to intent. Got it. Yeah, and we all want to do the right thing. Christian and I both love our jobs and we don't want yeah. the CFPB or, or DFI we, or anyone coming. We've down both been doing this a long time. Yeah. Our reputation is gold. We do not want to tarnish that, that for is, any dumb reasons. Correct. Yeah. So what, what I'm going to tell you is that to get an owner occupied mortgage rate, which the mortgage rates for owner occupied purchases are way lower than investor purchases. Yep. And way. you don't have to have as much of a down and, payment. Correct. Either. 
You're putting less down. So you got to follow the rules. The guidelines state that your intent has to be to purchase the home to occupy it. Now, life happens. Job transfers happen. Mm -hmm. If you call up Christian and go, hey, you sold me a home eight months ago. We've got tenants to put in it. And a home came for sale across town that we can get a smoking deal on. And we're going to move into that. We're going to have to have a conversation about that one year mark because the guidelines say you need to occupy the home for one year. So you have to be cautious of that. But if something were to come up, like life happens, you split up with a partner, um, you get a job relocation, something yep. like that, then life happens. And yep. obviously the regulators understand that. So yeah. fine and there. we've definitely had situations where, you know, people did get a job, or, like their dream job happened even just months after, which yeah. has happened more than once. Yeah. We've been doing this a long time. We've yeah. seen a lot of things. Yeah. Um, and it, it makes sense. Like you can write a letter, you can explain it, and they're not gonna, like, you're not gonna get trouble for that. Here's the hard part. You're not gonna cheat the system because yeah. what happens when you buy a home, there's a note and it's mm -hmm. recorded. And that note says that it's for an owner occupied purchase mm -hmm. and then the rates on it. The underwriter is gonna see that, not only that mortgage on your credit report, but they're gonna see the note recorded with that county yep. and they're gonna question it. And yep. the last thing you wanna do is lie on a mortgage application. Please right. trust it's me. It's called that. fraud. It's called yeah. fraud. That's a big deal. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't ever do that. <laughs> okay, so I think that's it. Cool. Um, anything else that you wanna to add to that? Man, this was thorough. This was a lot yeah. deeper than I actually thought it was gonna be. I mean, there's everything here that you, that you at least need to know, I would encourage you. I, like we say this all the time at our class. Yes. If, a, if my sister were to come to me and say, hey, I wanna buy my first home, mm -hmm. what do you suggest? I would say, seriously, I would literally say this, Angie, if you're listening to this, <laughs> they already bought a long time ago, but I'm just saying family members or friends, I would say, come to one of our home buyer classes. Yes. It's gonna give you the 30,000 foot view. Yep. Then sign up for a strategy session. That's mm -hmm. where we're gonna take that view and zoom in on your own mm -hmm. personal situation. From there, have a private mortgage planning consultation then have a buyer's consultation yes. with your realtor. And then start looking for houses, not looking. until then. Yes, this that's is the, the process. Yeah. Like it, it, get your budget figured out, then like big picture, budget yeah. figured out, then start looking for a home. But yeah. there's numerous steps to get your budget figured out. So be smart about it. Don't go shopping for a home before you figured out your budget because yeah. that's when we see a lot of issues. Um, most of our, I don't know any of our clients over the last at least 10 years, that have done it that way because they've come to our beers and home buying class, beers and We have a class every single month other than December, all throughout the year, all throughout the Puget Sound. So go there, see where we're at next month. Come to the class. It's only an hour long. There's no pressure. It's not a, not a timeshare presentation or anything like that. It's literally an hour long free beer, sometimes food, depending on the venue. And uh, it's super no pressure and fun. Um, and then we'll stick around and answer a bunch of questions. We usually stick around, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes. Last class, we were there almost an hour after That's answering awesome. questions. Yep. Um, but you can get up and leave after we're done with the presentation. But if you want to stick around and listen to those questions, feel free. So that that's really the, the steps. If you're ready to have a strategy session, you can always do that. Awesomenawesome.com slash schedule. Totally free. Again, there's no obligation to do anything. We're not going to pressure you neither of us use any sort of sales techniques or pressure or anything like no, that. We, we, we don't offer believe you a beer. It. We'll <laughs> offer you a beer. Yes. That's what we'll offer yeah, you. That's it. And, and a bunch of our smarts. <laughs> we'll share that with you. As you well. get so much value out of it by following that formula. I just yes. discussed, you're going to understand the market because mm -hmm. the market changes. It's seasonal and it's cyclical. Yep. You're going to understand the market, your budgeting, and you're just gonna be so you're going to be educated when it comes yes. time to making the largest financial decision of your life versus just, Hey, Let's give this a shot and see how it goes. Exactly. Yeah, don't do that. All right. Well, thank you, Dan, so much for joining me. Do you want to see your 
and whatever number it's called. Just, yeah. just to, I know you don't need to probably, but just to, just to be safe. On YouTube, we'll have it on the screen. Yeah. But yeah, we gave a little bit of mortgage advice today. And so I am a licensed Washington State mortgage professional. My MLO number is 115349. Niner. Niner, niner. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, the Awesome in Seattle podcast. If you got some value out of this, please leave a review. The only way that people listen to us is not the only way, but a big reason that people find us is because of these reviews. If you like it, subscribe. We have a new episode every other Thursday. We've been doing this nonstop for over three and a half years at this point. Tons of information, tons of helpful stuff. So please help us out by returning the favor and subscribing or leaving a review or both. That's it for us. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye.